Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined by Youth Tennis San Diego CEO and former NCAA doubles finalist Ryan Redondo to discuss the upcoming Southern California Pro Circuit. Of course, that circuit going to be a series of six ITF tournaments starting at the end of May, carrying through all the way through the start of July. That's meant to offer playing opportunities to the countless talented high level juniors, collegiate athletes, and pros found in the Southern California area. And of course, the reason we wanted to have Ryan on the show today is discuss, to discuss, excuse me, not only that, but of course, the broader purpose of this Southern California Pro Circuit, which is to continue to engage the tennis community in the area. And of course, Ryan Redondo has been instrumental in bringing high-level tennis to the Southern California community. He also serves as general manager of the Barnes Tennis Center, which of course plays host to the ITF Grade 1 event in San Diego. That happened about a month ago. Also going to play host to the USTA Girls 16s and 18s National Championships in August. That event, of course, offering a U.S. Open wild card to the girls' 18 singles and doubles champions. And look, it was fascinating to hear Ryan talk about what it means to bring high-level events of different calibers, whether it be collegiately, whether it be the ATP event, the junior events they've held, into the tennis community and to continue to engage them, why that's so important if you want your tennis community to flourish in your area. It was also fascinating to talk to Coach Redondo about his experiences across levels. He's a former head coach at the collegiate level and obviously played at an All-American level as well. I wanted to hear his thoughts on which levels of the game elicit the most passion from the fans, how we can get that passion to translate across levels in the sport. It's a fascinating conversation that I promise all of you listeners are going to enjoy. And again, it was great for me to get to pick the brain of Ryan as he really is one of those people behind the scenes who are instrumental in all the tennis you see unfold here in the United States. So this is a fascinating fascinating conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Hopefully, we'll get the chance to talk to Ryan more throughout the course of the summer and over the next couple of months and years moving forward. And of course, we are so excited to be able to broadcast uh, the majority of this Southern California Pro Circuit on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. We'll have more information on that as the dates for the tournaments approach. But of course, before we get to my conversation with Ryan, I have to give a final shout out to our friends over at Swing Vision who are at the forefront of all things artificial intelligence happening in tennis. Again, it's an app, folks. You download that Swing Vision app, you're going to have access to more data than you can possibly imagine. All you got to do, set up the app, record yourself while you play. You'll have all of the data, all of the film at your disposal. It'll break down the clips for you, show you the makes, show you the misses, show you all of your you know, uh, results by stroke, whether it be forehand, backhand, volley, serves, you name it. It can provide that information for you. They're on the forefront again on all things artificial intelligence happening within the game and you can download all of that on your app today of course to get access to everything swing vision can offer you can sign up by using our promo code crack 20 if you do you'll get 20 dollars off you'll get 14 day pro trial and most importantly you'll let them know we sent you there and again if you want to learn more about swing vision click on the link in the description to this podcast go to again you can learn more about them by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast apologies 
apologies for repeating myself, but you want to learn more about Swing Vision. I promise you we would not endorse the product if we didn't so thoroughly believe in it. You can hear more about it by listening to my conversation with Swing Vision CEO Swapnil Sahai, which you can find on this podcast feed. But with that in mind, you want to hear my conversation with Ryan Redondo. So let's get to it. Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. Hey, crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link to get signed up? Just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast for the first time today is a man who has worn many different hats throughout his relationship with the game of tennis. Of course, I know him best as a former All-American player at San Diego State. He then went on to be the head coach of the University of Pacific, now the CEO of the Barnes Tennis Center and a man instrumental in bringing pro tennis to Southern California this summer. It is our friend Ryan Redondo. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And um, I've been a huge fan of, of your podcast and you and everything you guys are doing. Oh, I'm immensely since, gr- since I was a college coach. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm immensely grateful for you saying that. And again, I, I I pride myself on asking the tough questions so we can get right into it. Is it an arms race right now between yourself and Kamal Murray, Grant Chen, I'd argue top-notch management in the mix? I mean, this race for pro tennis here in the United States, it's incredible what all of you guys are doing. And again, your commitment to this sport across levels, I think that's where we want to start. Talk to me about you know this passion and bringing all of these pro events back to the United States. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, the the arms race that you said, no, I don't think so. I think it's very collaborative. Um, you know, we don't interact too much. We all know each other and have conversations here and there. But I think in the approach that, at least in American tennis, we're just trying to offer as many opportunities as possible. 
So, you know, at my platform where I'm at, um, so I'm actually the CEO of Youth Tennis San Diego, which is a 501c3 nonprofit started back in the 50s here in San Diego. And then in 1995, they opened up the Barnes Tennis Center. So I manage the Barnes Tennis Center and oversee that. And our mission is to grow the game of, of tennis throughout San Diego with youth. So for us, and I know for Kamau and Grant and everybody else, it really is a full circle um, it's not just pro tennis that I think everybody's looking for. We love that. We want to see that on American soil again. We want our, our players to have those opportunities. But it really starts at the grassroots level, you know, I think for all of us, and especially here at U-Tennis San Diego. So um, we have a great group of supporters that just want to be a part of growing the game of tennis, growing the game of tennis in America. And as you see with the new pro circuits we have here in Southern California. Yeah, well, you talk about that Southern California Pro Circuit, which our Crack Rackets team is so fortunate to be able to play a part of, and we'll have coverage of the six events on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, and we'll get to talk to all of the players as uh, the events unfold, and that first event coming up pretty quickly. It starts May 30th, of course, that last event uh, starting July 11th, and we talk about that Southern California Pro Circuit, and you, you sort of got into it there, but I know the purpose of this event, not just to have six ITF events in Southern California just to put on the schedule, but you talk about that intersection of all levels of tennis. And I know, or correct me if I'm wrong, that's something you guys are trying to promote with this pro circuit as well, right? Not just the typical players who are playing on the future circuit trying to build their rankings, but you guys are trying to create opportunities for, you know, Southern California college tennis players who may have pro aspirations, for juniors who may want to get their feet wet on the pro circuit just to see if that is something they might be interested in. Talk to me about the all-encompassing approach behind this Southern California Pro Circuit. Yeah, I, and I think you're, you answered a lot of those things about just <laughs> interconnecting all of the opportunities, but, um, you know, uh, really spearheaded by Chris Boyer, uh, the SCTA, and some of the, the great stakeholders and supporters of, of um, development here in Southern California, Paul Anacone, Marion Wardell, Pam Shriver, there's, I, you can keep going on and, and then all the donors, but essentially it comes down to giving those opportunities for a length of time on, on home soil, right? And being able to have our, our Southern California collegiate players, our juniors, given the opportunity to get the experience, invaluable experience um, to play at that level for ranking points. And for those that are really aspiring to become professional tennis players, giving them that extra um, opportunity. And if you look around at um, internationally, what, you know, Italy has done uh, with all of those tournaments that they produced, you know, the data is there that the more opportunities we can give them, right, people start breaking through um, in one way or another. And we grow the game on the court, we grow the game off the court, we grow opportunities for these young, you know, future leaders in some fashion or another, either they're going to, they're going to break through they're going to stay in the game. They're going to stay in the industry. So it's just so important to have these things. But we just ran the grade one, ran it here at the Barnes Tennis Center. Um, look at the boys' semifinals, all from California. Three from Southern Cal, one from Northern Cal. Uh, we had a girl in the semis from San Diego. We had a girl, you know, same girl got to the finals of doubles. So it really shows by giving those opportunities close to home, you know, either in their bed or just to drive length away. It, it does um, it it provides the opportunity for success, I think, and that's what we're looking for. You bring up the grade one quick tangent. How good is Liv Hovde? 
Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah she, there's so many good players, but yes, she's a special player, very professional, um, uh, you know, very kind coming to the, coming to the tournament desk, just all around, just, you know, represented herself and her team really well. Yeah. Again, and you talk about the events you want to bring in. And I love that you bring up the Italy comparison because Italy is certainly, I mean, forty seven, forty eight as their challengers. They've hosted so many different pro events uh, over the past 24 months. And, you know, it's so interesting to see the approach you guys have taken over in San Diego, not just the ATP event you guys were able to bring in last year, but obviously the commitment you guys have made to junior tennis as well. And I'm trying my best not to editorialize. But I talked about this with Grant Chen, who came on this podcast yesterday. And, you know, this is a topic that's on the top of my mind right now. Why is that commitment across levels so important? Why is it, you know, again, is there, because the reason I ask, you bring in six pro events, that's a headline sort of thing. But is that enough? Like, does the community buy in just to having pro tennis or does it have to be across levels? Um, there's a term that I like to use that I, that I use, um, often here at, at Barnes and, and with my staff and the board, it's interconnected co-rising, right? So when you can interconnect all of the different levels, let's just talk about tennis, all the different levels, they're going to co-arise together at some point, right? And it's not that one has more priority, but if you only look at doing one thing, you're limiting yourself and the opportunity to grow more events um, and grow the game and, and grow the passion and the love for tennis um, at the youngest levels, all the way up to adults. That's what's important. And that's that interconnected, interconnectedness and interconnected co-rising that we look at. And that's something that's so great about what the SCTA is doing, right? They, from the Southern, from the juniors in Southern California to now the pros and you know, we hosted the ATP event. We have the futures coming up here in San Diego. We're looking at bringing other professional sports here, but does start at the, the very grassroots level. And so one thing we're doing here in San Diego at Youth Tennis at the Barnes Tennis Center is we're providing free entry fees for all level seven and junior circuit events. So the orange ball, the green ball, um, ITA fall national championships. They're going to be able to see the level threes, the level fives we have. Those kids in the level fives and the girls nationals are going to come out and watch, you know, hopefully a WTA event that we might have here, right? Or another ATP event. And so that's how you just create this, this cyclical development and inspiration industry. And, and you just keep that ball going there. I'm not going to bring up the pr- prospective WTA event that's coming to San Diego because I don't believe it's been confirmed yet. Maybe you want to confirm it here. And I, by the way, since I know you're a San Diego guy and San Diego guys stay loyal, I'm just going to tell you I am much more fun to leak things to than Parsa. Like, just so you know, moving forward, like, if you need someone else to send information to, it's going to be yeah. much more fun if you give it to me than him. Um, and, you know, I, by the way, I've told him that as well. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, with that in mind, though, uh, again, this Southern California Pro Series, talk to me about the six events. Talk to me about what you guys have laid out for uh, all these players, all these pro opportunities in the San Diego community. 
Yeah. So starting um, right here in June at Rancho Santa Fe Tennis Club, uh, beautiful club. We've uh, um, John Sean Froze, the general manager there. He's hosted a challenger already um, back in what, 2020. Brandon Nakashima won an Oracle event there. So they're very well equipped uh, to run an event like this. So it goes from Rancho Santa Fe to the new facility at University of San Diego, mm-hmm. which is awesome to have a, a pro circuit event in San Diego on a college campus. And then right here to Barnes Tennis Center. So it's just, you know, when you see that pathway and especially with the proximity from USD to Barnes, which is, you know, yeah. five down the road, you know, the players are going to be able to stay in the same hotel or stay in housing. Um, it's kind of like going back to those satellite days. That's when I started playing where you had four weeks in a row, you know, maybe not as close as we have them now, but you had four weeks in a row to play in a certain area, you know? And I think that coming back to that kind of model that that's starting here um, is really important. And then going into July, starting at the Jack Kramer club, you know, with Peter Smith up there uh, right into LA, uh, the LA swing is just awesome. So Southern California is going to, you know, it's a hotbed for, uh, for pro tennis again. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm waiting for like a Chris Wettengale appearance or something funky like that, right? Like really get back to the old oh, yeah. yeah, Rancho Santa Fe days. Yeah. Um, but um, no, I mean, looking at all of these events and again, what you guys have accomplished. By the way, was it cool because you talk about hosting the ITA Fall National or National Fall Championships? Had to have been fun to have Holmgren win on home soil, right? Oh, yeah. What a, what a 2021 for that young man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to see him win it here and, and go through everything he went through, it wasn't like it was easy. I mean, he had to go through it. Um, but to have USD here and represent that way, but just, you know, for the the ATP event, mm-hmm. I mean, that guy put butts in seats and people were talking about a college match in ATP. Even his opponent loved what was going on because they were cheering, they were chanting. Um, it was just a great experience. And, and, you know, not just for August and USD, but for college tennis, I think that was a you know a huge experience and, and opportunity to see what what college tennis is made of. Yeah, well, talk to me about the fall if we can take a bit of a tangent here because obviously you guys did host the ATP event and were able to bring ATP tennis back to San Diego and you know it was a who's who field, right? You had the Norries of the world, you had the Rudes of the world and Rublevs of the world. Everyone getting matches in before Indian Wells started. You have that event. You have the fall national championships. Obviously, you had the grade one here in the spring as well. But what response have you seen from the San Diego community? Um, you know, it's so cool to see just what, uh, you know, the community coming together and supporting these events. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at girls nationals in August. I think in the finals, act. you know, we had a ton of people coming out just to support um, again, every level of the game, but it's super fun. You know, you can be, I was in Balboa park for Easter, just walking around and seeing random people with the San Diego, San Diego open t-shirt. Yeah. Right. So kind of just bringing it back to the community. Um, so it's been really, really exciting to see, um, the involvement in a city get behind tennis at all levels, you know, from tourism to, um, uh, the kid, you know, we gave out 75 tickets to kids to the local clubs around us. Um, you know, it's just a whole community activation. So yeah. really, really fun to see what happened in the fall. Um, we're looking at 23 here and we'll still, we still have 22 that we have a ton of events and, you know, just really trying to prioritize again, how we help our youth first 
and then how we inspire them with bringing in some of these other events. Mm-hmm. And I forgot to mention, I can't believe I forgot to mention the USDA Girls 16s, 18s National Championships in San Diego, of course. Like, And Kruger won last year, if memory serves me correctly. And I think she beat Reese Brantmeyer in the final. Let's see if my brain still has it. But, um, you know, again, and I know, you know, we don't have to get into specific numbers, but I know what the financial commitment is to bring in an ATP event, to host these, you know, I know not all six of them are in San Diego and hosted by you guys, but to host pro circuit events are not always the most, especially the lower the level, are not the most lucrative uh, propositions for anyone. Yeah. That said, do you think you guys have proven that? And because that's the biggest thing, right, is staying power. Sure, anyone can get a bid for one year for a tournament, but to be financially solvable, you know, financially uh, f- feasible moving forward, that's that's the tough thing. And certainly the pandemic has exposed certain vulnerabilities for uh, lower level tournaments. All of that is to say, do you get, think you guys have proven that you guys have a sustainable pro community in San Diego? I think, well, I definitely do. And I think we've proven that um, going back to college tennis, I was a college coach for 13 and a half years. Going back to that, it's teamwork, mm-hmm. right? It's not just one organization. It's just not one facility, but it's teamwork at the end of the day that makes that staying power that you said happen. So we have a, um, I'll just give two examples, two organizations, um, Southern California Tennis Association Foundation, SETA Foundation, it's in their mission to bring these events to Southern California, to support events, to support programs, to support coaches and organizations. And they've proven to be a great partner that they are committed to this. So that's one, the SCTA you know, led by Trevor Croneman, um, those partnerships that we have here at Youth Tennis San Diego and amongst the other partnerships they have in Southern California is that glue, right? And it comes down to teamwork to be able to provide an ITF grade one to provide no entry fees for beginning tournaments to provide an ATP tournament, the pro circuits. So we hope that this model that we have here in Southern California grows in the, in the U S and that other sections start to do these um, events and take on this, you know, hopefully take on this, this teamwork and um, uh, approach and not that they're not, but showing what, you know, what, what is happening here in Southern California to, to take this on and continue to grow the game in America. Yeah, no, I mean, again, it's everyone is on notice of what you guys are doing. And I mentioned the arms race, you know, I'm joking around, but those are the, you know, what you guys are doing and what Chicago's doing, what they're doing in Texas and obviously in Cleveland as well. We have seen certainly, and I mean, part of this is a byproduct of there are no WTA events right now in China in the fall. That creates a massive opening on the calendar and things have jumped around due to the pandemic. But it's so encouraging, certainly, to see so many entities and people like you included so passionate about tennis in the United States and bringing those pro events back to uh, American soil. With that in mind, I want to talk about you a little bit, if you don't mind, because where does that passion come from? I mean, you are a guy who has done it looking through your career again, playing at San Diego State, All-American, shout out. And maybe you want to give a shout out to your freshman year at Pepperdine too, because it can't be bad to spend some time in Malibu. Um, But, you know, you have that time there. You coach, as you mentioned, for uh, over a decade in college tennis as well. Where does your passion for the game come from? Um, Ultimately, it just comes from people, seeing people smile and 
enjoy tennis. I mean, I, I, as a kid, I was like a dog, right? Just <laughs> back and forth. Just, you know, my dad would say, hey, we got to go. And I brought, right? So there's just this, this intrinsic love for this sport. I love it, you know, and I love racket sports. And, and so I love seeing that. But it really comes down to um, service. You know, I, I grew up with a lot of mentors that were service oriented and using tennis and using, using this sport as that platform of bringing people together. Um, and so now that's where it really comes from. I love that. I love seeing, um, development, you know, in people and that's what you get in not just tennis, but you get in sport is you get to see development of people, um, on the court, off the court. And so I, I, I just really love that. Um, I go back to my, my UOP days and, um, and uh, the, I had a, a fabulous mentor there named Ted Leland, and we would talk about being more than a coach, mm-hmm. right? And so a place in Stockton, you know, we built the Eve Zimmerman Tennis Center, and we brought challengers there. We brought national tournaments there. We started red ball programs. We lined blacktops to do tennis and PE. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, I was like, geez, we're doing a lot. What am I doing, <laughs> you know, as a college coach? But it building. It was building this community, you know, at that time. And so, um, you know, that really stuck with me. And, and again, I was just, I, I'm very grateful and, and blessed to have the mentors that I had, John Nelson, you know, at San Diego State and, and so many others that really just instilled that kind of that service oriented attitude. Yeah. And again, that passion is something we share here at Cracked Rackets. That's why we're so excited to get working together this summer. You talk about your time in the college tennis ranks. And in my opinion, that for me, is where the passion for the sport is greatest because, A, I mean, these players are fully invested. It's a full-time job, right? As a student athlete, when you're playing college tennis, it becomes your life. But, B, I think on the fan side, you're allowed to be partisan and passionate. And maybe we shouldn't be promoting partisanship, you know, partisanism here at Cracked Rackets given everything going on. But you can be partisan openly and you can be as as outwardly enthusiastic and, you know, engage with the sport in a way that, in my opinion, you can't at the other levels. You have seen all three levels of the game from the highest levels of the juniors all the way through, obviously, to the pro tennis you saw at the ATP Tour. I think Federer can flirt with it, Serena, like Djokovic, Nadal, maybe Murray on this comeback trail. But I, I, my concern is that the passion of college tennis can't be shared at the other levels. I'm curious where you are on this. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, uh, I mean, like I just said about when, when August was playing here at San Diego Open, I remember a specific time he had his whole team here. The women's team was here. The athletic director was here. All of the supporters. And they were literally chanting like a college match. And I remember specifically his uh, cheering as well for the the the, uh, the team. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't negative at all. He was appreciating the opportunity to play in that kind of environment. You know, it was fun. And you could see that. And so I do hope that that, you know, that 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 comes into a point. You know, you don't want to go over the top with sportsmanship or gamesmanship or anything. Um, but I think that positivity that college tennis brings um, is is going to be really important as you move on. And we're seeing so many great college tennis players break through, you know, with a with a different attitude. And so, you know, I'm really excited to see that. And and that's what we got to see here at the San Diego Open. Yeah, I guess my question then is, how do we get that passion to be reflected on the pro tour as well? Like, I I know it's a little bit harder to just root for 
individuals that sort of passionately, like again, it's your school or it's your home country. There's a difference between that and in Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup than it is just going out there and rooting for Yuri Veshley on a Wednesday. Like that's a little bit of a different experience. But I I do think that's the like again. I'm going to refer to my conversation at Grant Chen. He says the thing that keeps him up at night is like that the sport of tennis will die out. That that passion that fuels the college game we see doesn't always translate everywhere. Do you share that concern at all? Yeah, I think so. And you know, the pro circuit level in, Tun- in Tunisia right now, how how engaged are fans? Yeah, exactly. Right? So yeah, I think that's something in our sport that we have to look at. But I'm sure that's in a lot of sports too, though. You know, um, major, you know, minor league soccer, minor league baseball in, in, in uh, Cuba, you know, how, how, you know, how, you know, there might be cheering and stuff, but how, how big are the, the stadiums and those kind of things? I don't know. I, I don't have the right answer or any answer to this, but I do, I do share that, that the fan engagement, you know, we have to consistently look at that at the highest levels to really make sure we're promoting the athletes the right way, because what they're producing and, and giving to this fans is just, it's unbelievable. It's spectacular. Yeah. Well, I know it's something you think about. And the reason I bring it up is I want to get back to the Southern California pro circuit. Talk to me about the fan engagement we have planned. Talk to me again about this comprehensive approach, how it will manifest itself over the six weeks here. I think when you're going back to kind of what you talked about, about that, the, the community support, mm-hmm. you know, we have all of these events coming through that, the community is now engaged, right? They know, okay, wow, Barnes has got this going on. Rancho Santa Fe's got this going on. So it's now word of, you know, it's almost word of mouth rather than you have to post something or you have to get the advertising. Everybody knows what's going on. Some of our our donors for this event, you know, they're, they're passionate about this. So they're letting people know. Um, so I think that, you know, and again, being so close to each other, now with being at USD, I think is huge because of that fan engagement that they have. I'm really excited to see what what happens there. Um, you know, the fact that we're partnering with you guys to have it in live stream. Now that brings a whole different level of fan engagement on you know not just here on on the at the facility, but now digitally. And that we have to have that. I think we have to have you guys at the pro circuit level, the college level, at the junior level, because. I mean, that's where people or kids are looking. They might be down the street, but they're on their phones. Now they're engaging with you. So there, there's so many things that are going right with this pro circuit um, that, you know, that community and that that fan experience is going to be really cool. Yeah. And I'm also excited to watch all the Southern California talent, which I'm certain will be able to be showcased throughout the course of the six weeks. And you're a San Diego guy. Again, All-American, so the credentials are there. You coached at the collegiate level as well. Is, Sal- is Southern California the richest bed of talent in the United States for tennis? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, does does right? North Cal and Florida – because I know that rivalry with North Cal oh, – North Cal, No Cal. I don't know what it is. No Cal, yeah. SoCal. Uh, that rivalry is real. Yeah, yeah. That riv- Yeah, it is real. It goes back to the Mace Cup. You know, yeah. the Mace Cup. You know, I got to play for Southern California. I got to coach for Northern California, um, and then so being on both sides, it's it's so awesome that you know you have those rivalries. Uh, Florida is is awesome. Texas has has produced some great players. Uh, look at you know Rajiv Ram. You know, I mean, geez, what he's done. 
Um, but uh, no, I think Southern California is great. It, it's just, it's got such a rich history. We have some great players coming up. Look at Keegan. I think you just qualified for another challenger, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Jessica, you yeah. know, from Pepperdine. Um, we've got players that you know are just scratching to get the opportunities, right? Uh, so we're really looking forward to it. And then also look at the, pro, you know, we're combining the men's and women's events in one one place. That's really, really special. I think that's great for the players. And I think that's also really great for fans because you're not just coming to watch the men or the women. You get to choose and you get to see, you know, different game styles. And so I think that's a really, really cool thing that they're doing. Talk to me about this cup, North NoCal versus SoCal. That is maybe the least publicized best event on the tennis calendar. Yeah, the Maze Cup. Maze Cup. Named, okay. Yeah. For the Maze family. Um, gosh. It is it is a rival. So so Southern California won it for years. <laughs> like 30 years, right? Yeah. I mean, you have best players, you know, that have gone on, the Bryan brothers. I mean, look at how many players they've had. And, um, and they, they owned it for many, many years until, uh, Northern Cal had a great group of players. Mackie. Yeah. Was it playing. was the Mackie class, right? CC Bellis. Yeah. You know, uh, gosh, there were so many great players on this team and they, and they finally won it. You know, uh, actually the year before they tied and Southern California won games okay. the next year. Mackie's year, they won. It was definitely great. It's a great competition. Um, both sections do a really, really good job. Yeah. All right. I have to ask him then next time I talk to Mackie, is the Maze Cup title you won your finest moment on a court? Because I bet he he might say yes. He'll say it's top three, like that NCAA title. You know, fourth yeah. round Wimbledon was pretty cool as well. But like Maze Cup, I imagine has to be uh, top three for him. And again, I think what's going to be so exciting about this pro circuit, I imagine we're going to see the Mackie McDonald's of that time of the world right nowadays, it's people like Kyle Kang or Alex Mickelson who uh, they're going to get those opportunities, right. To play throughout the summer. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, look at Ethan Quinn. Yeah. Right. 20 in the world. Um, He went from where was the the future right before the ITF here in San Diego. I think he got to the semis, Mm -hmm. Um, something like that. Um, Just the San Diego uh, players we have, Alafia. Right. Coming from Cornell, he's got the opportunities. Um, Katie Codd, you know, on the girls side, we can do, there's a long list, you know, and then you look at all the, the players from L.A. that are going to come down here and then all the San Diego players that can go up to L.A. So, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be very strong because of the opportunities to play three weeks in a row. Um, and it's just going to be a great experience. Does it frustrate you that so many of these guys are going to Georgia and they're leaving Southern California? Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'd love to see him stay here. I mean, look at the, the, the local, you know, in San Diego here alone, we've got UCSD, USD and San Diego state. So the opportunities to stay here and to me, the best city in the, in the world, yeah. uh, college tennis. Yeah, no, I mean, again, All-American, you can speak to it. And I do want to talk about your college coaching career. And, you know, you played on the pro circuit and coached privately, I believe, for two years after you were done playing, but then pretty quickly got back into the college ranks. And if listeners have learned anything from this podcast today, it's of your passion for the game. 
What was it about the collegiate level particularly that enticed you to get back into coaching there? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so played on the pro circuit level, very, very not very successfully. So, uh, <laughs> I mentioned the private coaching as well. Yeah, I actually <laughs> point fifteen, okay. which I'll take that, but I didn't get many after that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I played uh, a little bit on you know the futures tour. Got to get my butt kicked in a challenger, and I got to play qualies of a two fifty. Amir Delic just hammered me. Um, <laughs> was that fresh off of Illinois days, Amir Delic, or is that like into his pro career? Uh, he was doing well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so after that, I was coaching privately and um, I wanted to finish my degree. I hadn't finished my degree. And so I was the assistant coach at San Diego State at that time. Really wanted to become a professor. I got my degree in religious studies. And while I was coaching um, at San Diego State, I was coaching under Gene Carswell. I just, I realized I was being able to teach and I was teaching life lessons to these players and obviously love coaching and um, I love tennis and competing. And uh, so I, you know, it was about three and a half years into it and the head coaching job at University of the Pacific up in Stockton opened up and, uh, you know, I was very lucky to get that job and, and create a career for myself in the college coaching ranks and just really, really enjoyed and loved my time. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you were cheating on Southern California when you left? Stockton's up there. That's north. Yeah, that is north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, it's almost like I had to get sent away to do my training and, you know, to come back here. But it really, though, I did. I, I, I hope I, I gave a lot to the community up there and the university. Um, I think we did some special things uh, with the team. You know, it's really great. We have the Big West Conference Championships here this week. I got to coach in the Big West Conference Championships for three years. Um, so I just so really, really lucky, you know, for the time I had up there. But, um, yeah. I'm curious if that prepares uh, – obviously now you work, uh, again, with Youth Tennis San Diego and at the Barnes Tennis Center and going to a school like Pacific, which doesn't have the endless athletic budgets of, say, a Michigan or a Texas. Does – I imagine that role prepares you for what you do now, right? Can you, do you mind reflecting? I mean, a head coach at, at a school like Pacific and a head coach anywhere in college tennis, what I've learned, you're as much CEO of the program, custodian, stringer, as you are tennis coach. Yeah. Nonprofit space. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, wearing a lot of hats, you yeah. know, at the mid level. Um, you know, we, we, I had support up there. You know, so I, I'm not saying I didn't put up there, but it takes a lot of work, you know, at that level um, when you're not a Michigan, a Georgia. Mm-hmm. But uh, what it comes down to is, you know, you just you put the the work in, you grind, you learn to grind. And in the non- nonprofit space that I'm in now, that's what it's about. And again, going back to teamwork, you have to have a solid team around you, people you trust, uh, same vision and, and shooting for that same target. So that definitely, like I said, you know, all the little things we did to build that community around Stockton tennis, uh, led me to where I am now. And, um, I definitely take all of those valuable lessons I learned in the college coaching career to where I am. All right. Do you miss it at all? Yeah. Yeah, definitely do. I, you know, just, I, I, I try to go out and watch as many matches as I can. We have a lot of teams, uh, and, and matches that are here. Um, you know, I miss the camaraderie, the competition, uh, working with guys and, you know, ultimately just, you know, guys that just want to get better and, and improve. That's the, 
the uh, the beauty of college tennis. You know, I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, I got to We got to I mean, again, for people who don't know, you were an All-American at San Diego State NCAA doubles finalist in 2003. Before I let you go, I got to dive into that a little bit. Let's go to 02 first. You're the number three seeds that year. King and Yanni, 6-3 in the third. You guys take the first set 6-4 in that quarterfinal. I mean, I've heard the stories of Ram and Wilson and that Illinois team. We'll get to 3 in a second. But was 0-2 I mean, I feel like 0-2 might have been the window. That was the one. You know, we won the national indoors that year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we got that, um, which was awesome. Um, yeah, I remember that. You know, you remember your losses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, um, good win. So Matthias Booker, who you guys beat in the first round uh, that year, I think he was a triple crown winner, if memory serves me correct, right? He won singles, doubles, and the team. Um, and, you know, again, first round victory over he and Bo Hodge, four and four. That's a nice win. That is a nice win, uh, you know, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I remember those, I remember that time, Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's where it was. You know, the year before my freshman year at Pepperdine, we got to the Sweet 16. Um, I think we lost to Stanford, so that was a great experience. That kind of showed me, you know, that level in college. Um, I struggled a lot my first year, so to, to come through on the double side like that the second year was was great. But I, I don't know if that was our window, but, you know, you brought up something I haven't thought about in a while. Yeah, no, I had to because 0-3 final. Six four five seven six one again. Rajiv Ram, Brian Wilson. That's the year 03. Illinois goes undefeated. They win the team. Delic wins the singles, and those two win the doubles. I mean, again, I'm looking in this. You've got the win over Matthias Booker, Benedict Dorsch, who I believe for Baylor goes on to win an NCAA singles crown. Not too far after, was it Oliver? Or was it you? Who made the team? We complemented each other so well. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, if if you know Ollie, but he was he was legit in singles. Yeah, I mean the guy he always hit the right ball, right? So I mean if he needed to overpower you, you could. If he needed to grind, he could. He would take this, you know. He would he would throw you off. He was so smart, and he had an unbelievable return. And I had really good volleys, so we complemented each other that you know pretty well. We got along great. We surfed together every morning, you know. <laughs> we're, we're a good team. Um, in that sense. Um, but yeah, that was a, a special, special tournament. Um, yeah. Rajiv and, and Wilson, two guys did really, uh, Rajiv, obviously Brian did really, really well. And, and he and I stay in touch a lot. So mm-hmm. I may you know, have to a, fact tennis check. is a small world. I'm pretty sure Oliver was one of the last three people to beat Stanford's Alex Kim, like who he beat him at the NCAA tournament. Then Alex Kim goes on to do all these incredible things. Um, yeah, no, I mean, again, NCAA Devils finalists, not too bad. The, uh, the final question I have on all of this is when I talk to coaches, they say the biggest difference between college tennis now and 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, it's not the strength at the top. That Ram and Wilson and you guys would still be doing just fine. You know, you'd still be uh, at the top of the game. It's the depth. It's that the team's ranked, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60. There's just more depth now than there has ever been. Would you agree with that assessment? Oh yeah, I think so. The depth is is so strong, and you know, you look at some of these teams in the '60s, '70s, '80s, and their top players are legit, right? I mean, um, give a shout out to one of my former players, Sam Burbeek yeah. at University of Pacific. I recruited him. He was a three star recruit. I mean, no rankings, nothing. I and I got to see him. I was like, wow, he's going to be good. But 
you know, I think he was looking at some D3 schools and the guy went on to, you know, his senior year, um, got up to 40, I think, undefeated in the West Coast Conference, um, player of the year, you know, all these great things, sportsmanship, uh, Rafael Asuna winner. Um, and I think he's about to, you know, hopefully break the top hundred in doubles this year. And I, and that I just use him as an example because you're starting to see that across the board in college tennis. So yes, the depth is, is huge. Was his hair always as extravagant or is that, you know, the, that's you're in Stockton long enough. It's just going to happen. <laughs> no, that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, no, I was going to say, there's no way Coach Redondo's allowing that on court. Like, no way. We're running a tight ship here. We got, you know, we got people to impress in the crowd. No, no. I don't. You must have <laughs> pictures of me in San Diego State. <laughs> one year, I might have had dreadlocks one year. Had, uh, I had a ponytail. No. Individual no. expression. No, they uh, they burned all the footage for you. Uh, that's that's the privilege you earn when you're an NCAA doubles finalist. Well, I know all of our listeners are wondering, and again, I haven't given you the chance to talk about what you guys are doing at Youth Tennis San Diego. That's where we'll end this show today. What can listeners do to support your efforts? And again, talk to us a bit about the program. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Thank you. So Youth Tennis San Diego, uh, again, a very you know has a long history here of just of serving the youth in San Diego, the inner inner city. Uh, underprivileged kids all around. So our signature outreach program is called the Kathy Chabot Willette After School Tennis Program. It's been around for a long time. And what we do is we pay for our coaches. We pay for the coaches, the equipment, the permits, anything that has to do with expenses. And we go and we have a partnership with the San Diego Unified School District, um, the San Diego Parks and Rec, um, amongst other you know organizations. And we provide free tennis for kids um, or a dollar a session. And what we do is we uh, we go out and we set up eight-week sessions and uh, we go to parks. We're going to start a homework assistance program. But really, our mission is to go out to the, to the community and teach tennis and instill that love of the game, you know, for the sport. Hopefully, they continue on and play. And we've seen some great stories um, a CM grew up in our organization and look at him, what he's doing at Texas, you know, his sister amongst others. And so that's really the heart of our mission is going out and serving kids, teaching them tennis and using that as a platform. Right. And from there, if we can bring them back to the Barnes tennis center, which we do several times a year to show them all the programs that we have here to show them the facility, uh, we hold after school tennis here at Barnes as well. So supporters can, Help us, you know, because all of our expenses go back to the kids. And so that, that's the center of our mission. Uh, we bring in these great events, yes, you know, and that's the inspiration for the kids. But at the heart of what we do is after-school tennis. And so, you know, if, if the listeners and any supporters want to know more about us, you can go on our website, barnstenniscenter.com, and, you know, really get to understand what we're doing. And I got to give a plug to the, the JUMP program, again, the – uh, junior tournaments underwriting master plan. All that right. to me is going to be a game changer. Um, it's the no entry fees for kids to start to learn the game and to compete. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. And again, what you guys are doing, I promise everyone is noticing certainly. And whether there's a WTA event this fall or not, I, I'm very certain we're going to get to see a lot of fun tennis over uh, in San Diego over the course of the next few months. And obviously, we are so excited to get involved with the Southern California Pro Circuit. And uh, hopefully, we will get the chance to talk to you more in the future as well. So thank you for taking the time to join us today, Ryan. And obviously, uh, appreciate all you do for tennis here in the United States. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, anytime I can help, just let me know. And I appreciate everything you guys are doing and look forward to working together. I appreciate it. Take care, Ryan. All right. Bye-bye. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Ryan Redondo. A thank you to Ryan for taking the time to chat, obviously, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and I hope you could hear the sentiment throughout. Ryan is one of those people who has dedicated his life to growing the sport here in the United States, and obviously the Southern California community reaps the majority of those benefits, but sincerely, that ATP event we saw in San Diego and everything you know, from the ITF junior events to the ITF pro events he supported it provides an ecosystem of tennis uh, for tennis here in the United States. So again, a huge thank you to Ryan for all of his efforts to grow uh, for and attempting to grow this game. And obviously, we look forward to speaking with him more on this podcast in the future. Of course, if you're looking out, out for what's happening in the tennis world, we've got you covered here at Crack Rackets. We cover the daily stories day in day out over on our mini break podcast feed. We've got you covered as we head towards the college tennis postseason on our Great Shot podcast podcast feed. We provide a lot of fun live content over on our YouTube feed as well. And you can find all of that on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to each of the shows. And if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who makes all of this content possible and who, as always, has a of an editing job to do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Swing Vision. You can learn more about them by by clicking on the link in the description to this app, make sure you use our promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. With all of that said, for the fantastic Ryan Redondo, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.